welcome. It is Podcast 195 Systems. So when you grow plants indoors, you're going to be using one of several irrigation methods. You might hand water. I'm going to class that as a system because hand water is very important. Um, it's a good method of growing and essential for some people. So hand water is going to be the first system that we talk about. Then you've got flood and drain. Some people might know it as ebb and flow, but we'd be calling it flood and drain. You have uh, within hand feeding, you also have top feeding, bottom feeding. And I have sort of bottom feeding as you can hand feed through the bottom or you can use systems like auto pot watering systems. They are a bottom fed system. DWC, deep water culture, NFT, nutrient film technique, drippers, we'd be talking about drippers and run to waste as well, but drippers come into run to waste a little bit. Uh, whatever your methods are, they are specifics you need to keep in mind to get the best from your plants. It's podcast 195 and we're talking systems. Top tip. I want to give an early top tip to everyone that's joined early. I always say, so people that come to the shop and they've been hand feeding for a long time. They wanted to get a system. Most people want to move on to systems because, to be honest, a little bit of laziness. Or they've seen their friends using systems and they've got great results and they want to get the same great results. So, but a lot of the time comes down to a little bit of laziness. They've been hand feeding and they want to use a system so that they don't have to spend as much time with the plants. Now, if you apply a hand feeders mentality to systems, you will get the best results. And what I mean by that is hand feeders spend a lot of time watering each individual plant. And as the water each individual plant, you will look at the, as you do it, I, I do it as well. You look at the plants, you get in and amongst what's going on. So as you hand feed each plant, you're looking at each individual plant, you're looking for deficiencies, you're looking for pests, you're looking for disease, and each plant gets a little bit of individual attention. When you tend to go towards a system, you are concentrating on your reservoir, concentrating on the timers so that you know that the flood and drain and all that your system is operating when it should be, and basically making sure that there's no uh, clogs, there's no buildup of water that the roots are sitting in. So you can spend less time with your plants and more on the actual system. So that's my top tip. Apply a hand feeders mentality to the system. Still do all your important checks, but make sure that you're still looking at each individual plant as an individual plant. And then the time that you're saving by not having to hand water, use that time to inspect your plants and make sure everything's going right. Spend that time making sure that the environment's absolutely spot on and you will get much better results. So before we go to our partners, this is where the intro is going to go. So everyone listen to podcasts, make yourself a cup of tea, listen to our great intro and uh, come back in 30 seconds.
Um, we've had a comment from Green Meanie saying, totally, I hand feed now and I want to switch to drip assistant because I'm lazy. <laughs> so another top tip that I'll give um, is if you are going to go to a system, try and find a system that your friends are using. So if you've got a friend that's been using the system for a while, um, try and give that a little go because you've instantly got somebody to bounce off of if the system goes wrong or if you need it to set up. Setting up systems is probably one of the hardest parts of getting it all going. So make sure that you've got somebody who knows. If not, make sure that your shop knows. Mill said, have I got a cold? I don't think so. No, I feel quite healthy. Um, why does it sound like I've got a blocked nose? I speak quite nasally, do I? After uh, I'm going to have to get a cold, a, a nice warm drink and, and clean myself up. Um, but we'll be on to dripper systems for Green Meanie towards the end. That's one of the last systems we'll be talking about, probably on next week's podcast as we do. Uh, this is a two-part. Terathema Southeast said, what system would you recommend for a lazy hand feeder? A lazy hand feeder. It's it's hard to recommend a system. The, the one that, we, that a lot of people have a lot of success with is Autopot. So... Autopots are easy to use. They don't need any electricity. They don't have any pumps. Gravity fed, easy to set up because there's thousands of people using autopots. Uh, there's a lot of advice that can be given for online, in the shops, autopot themselves. So autopots so widely used, you're going to get a lot of, of advice. So I, I would advise autopots. And that leads me nicely onto the partners, actually. I actually forgot Autopop was a partner there. This is going to sound really cheesy now, but we have our partners of the podcast and we have to give a shout out every week um, to say thank you because without them, this podcast wouldn't be possible. So first is Canna, Canna Nutrients. Um, if you haven't been on their website, apart from the videos that they've done years ago, which were proper cringy, uh, just go and check out, you tell you what, go and check out Canna's website and go and check out their videos because it is cringe. I don't like them. Really good information, but uh, the person doing him is just, he's the worst. I'm sorry, Canna, he's the absolute worst. Thank you very much, Aiden. Uh, but go and check out their cringe videos. After you've got through them, go and look at the blog articles, though, because the Canna scientists write all the blog articles for the website, and they're just they're really spot on. Like, I go on there once every three or four months just to recap on the articles that have been written, and they're excellent. So get on there, do some learning, go on there for a laugh, watch the, the weirdo that uh, he pronounces phosphorus, phosphorus. He, he's probably, he thinks he's talking about a dinosaur. So he says, when you're adding your potassium and phosphorus, try and find that video and um, and have a good laugh. Next, we have Autopot Watering Systems. Uh, we'll be talking about Autopot on this podcast because it's the systems podcast, but Autopot is, I always go out and limit say it's the most widely sold system on the planet. It's in so many countries. It's in so many greenhouses, polytunnels, indoor facilities. Um, America especially killing it with the with the autopots. And I know that the autopot staff is some of the busiest you can come across. They're always in different parts of the world, always at different shows, just absolutely uh, killing it. So autopot watering systems, phenomenal. And anyone that's looking to go to a system, um, I would say, Take your system virginity away with autopots. They're brilliant. Then we have the Sunlight LED. Killed it for us over the summer. Um, 
sales of all LEDs slow down over the winter because obviously it gets a lot colder. But if you're in a hot part of the country or you're listening in Australia, it's going to be really warm in Australia this time of year. Uh, check out Sunlight LEDs. They are our favorite LED. They were before they even became partners. And I love the company. Brilliant. So check them out. We also have can filters as a uh, partner. These are the extraction specialists. So fans, filters, uh, inline filters, everything you need, pre-filters, intake filters, whatever you need, they've got it. The Isomax is one of the best fans on the market. has been for years. Uh, they've got the Qmax, which is their new EC fan, or it's the EC fan that's been on for a while. And they're just absolutely killing it. They've got a new controller out, loads of new products. Um, make sure that if you're looking for a new fan and filter, give Cam Filters a go. Um, if you're stuck on your filter, because I know there's different brands of filters that just do filters, give Isomax and give Qmax a go. Phenomenal, phenomenal fans. And last, but by no means least, we have Revolution Microelectronics. Their 1000 watt Diva double end light, the ceramic metal halide, and their Avicii LED doing big things across the world, but not available in the UK yet. Um, but I've heard good things. Um, last, if you were a listener every week and you listened last week, we had Peter from Grow Genius, the new monosilicic acid on the market, the cheapest, the most concentrated. Um, if you know me, you know I get super excited about uh, silica as an element. It's my favorite plant product. I think it does so many things. Uh, to the plant that it's just, it's a bit of a no-brainer to, to not add it to your nutrient regime. We've moved off potassium silicates, moved on to things like monosilicics. Um, and I see this one taking the UK by storm because of how cheap it is and how concentrated it is. Um, it's just absolutely spot-on product. I can't wait to start using it, uh, getting it into my plants. And you're going to see big things. So Get into your shop. There's loads of samples getting spread around the UK at the moment. So get in there and get your free samples and get it into your nutrient regime. You'll you'll thank me. Trust me. Um, oh yeah, last week I made a mistake. So I got picked up on a mistake by uh, one of our listeners and it was on abiotic and biotic stresses. I, I think I got carried away with uh, biotic stresses being biological pests, disease, powdery mildew, spider mites, thrips, their biotic stresses. And then when I went on to abiotic, uh, I think I said something. I was still carrying on with pests, but abiotic is your um, your fan. Blown on your plants, causing wind stress, uh, cold, heat, that's abiotic. So I'm correcting what I said last week. Biotic is biological problems, and abiotic is uh, salt over water and over fertilization, all that sort of stuff. So they have corrected myself. Well done for picking me up on it. Um, so Flask Ponic said, is this going to Spotify? Yep, it gets uploaded to on a Sunday to Spotify, so you can stream it there. Um, we There's another comment saying, we found DWC, one easy system of first trimmers I would use, first timers I would use Autobots. Fire in a booth farm said, Flora Flex for the win. I have had a lot of people asking me about Floraflex. Uh, quite complicated to set up, but the people are using it in America and the US, it, seems, it looks just really clean. Uh, that green color is phenomenal. And I do see people getting good results from it. So we'll definitely, we'll, we'll try and get Floraflex on the podcast actually, because I would like to talk to them. I've got a lot of learning to do as well with Floraflex. Uh, 
And I'm trying to keep up to date with these comments as well. It's quite hard. Right. So we're up to date on comments. YouTube. With fabric pots, do they need to be flat or raised? So that's it from James. Fabric pots and all pots. I've got a, I've got a couple of customers and, uh, and people that send us messages on social media having this problem. Uh, if you've got a concrete floor, make sure that your pots are raised up off that concrete floor. There's nothing worse for sapping this, the, the heat out of your pots or your system like a concrete floor. And what happens is the, the water gets really cold, the roots get really cold, you get purple stems, and the plant just finds it really hard to uptake nutrients. So make sure that they're raised up, whether it's a bit of polystyrene, a few, a th a few thick layers of carpet. And as long as it's not hitting that floor, you'll be happy days. So yes, absolutely, fabric pots need to be raised up a little bit. Uh, auto pots look really nice, but pretty expensive. Ooh, as far as systems go, auto pots are pretty cheap. Um, I, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head, but when we sell IWS, Multiflow, which is the flood and drain systems, uh, Autopots are relatively cheap compared to other systems. Obviously, compared to hand feed, autopots a bit more expensive. But think about the amount of time that you save by not by not having to hand water each individual plant, and you never get pump failures. So if you're on a, another system, you've had pop failures, pump failures, then autopots they'll look after you. It's gravity fed as long as that system is about a couple of inches above the highest flow valve, then you'll you'll be flying, you'll be cracking on. Ronan said, what system gives the fastest growth? Uh, the DWC absolutely gives you the fastest growth. As soon as those roots hit that oxygenated, nutrient-rich, pH-perfect, EC-controlled, lovely temperature water, they fly. And it's something that catches a lot of people off guard. And we'll, we'll get to DWC in a, in a little bit. Aeroponics. Aeroponics is fantastic for getting cuttings to, to root. So if anybody, to be honest, I haven't actually put aeroponics down as a system for growing plants because it's a bit of a, it's a little bit propagation. Um, but we'll talk about aeroponics to start with, actually. Nutriculture do a system. So Nutriculture is a wholesaler in the UK and they do a system called Extreme Propagator. They do 12 sites, 24 sites, 48, 80, 120. You suspend your cotton into a neoprene collar or into some into a little pot of pebbles. Um, obviously, you dip it in your root hormone like Clonex. Get your water eighteen degrees. Doesn't need to be pH'd. Um, and you just it spray it flicks the water up with little sprayers. Um, flicks the water up at the stem. And in my experience, it's the quickest way to get your roots to 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 take to take your cuttings to take even so aeroponics absolutely brilliant for getting your cuttings to go dan johnson said i found with autobots salt buildup so the reason that you get salt buildup is because the light so the way autobots work is it's gravity fed floods to 20 mil and which is two centimeters and the plant drinks it. As soon as that tray goes dry, the float valve will activate and it'll flood the pot again. If you've got 
long sections of pipe. And it's not, a lot of people use this cool tube now, not cool tube, ice line. It's white pipe with the insulated black pipe in the middle. If you use that type of pipe and you don't tend to get that problem, but people are still on the black pipe, it retains a lot of the heat. So if you've got high pressure sodium lights burning down on the black pipe, it keeps hold of the heat and the water essentially evaporates and there's, there's, you do get salt buildup along the bottom. So the way to get rid of that is to keep the flow of water going. And the way you can do that is at the end of your 60 mil pipe, put a tap on it and turn the tap on and just allow a good bit of water to flow through it so you don't get that salt buildup and also to push through any warm water. So you can do that if you're there at the end, just before the lights go off. You can do that just before the lights go off to get rid of the salt buildup. Or use something like uh, FloraClean, can of flush, uh, any salt cleaning nutrients will get rid of it. So throw that into your tank and let it pass through, turn the tap on at the end and you'll be flying. So that'll help reduce with salt buildup. And then you've gone on to say you've used most systems. Personally, think Floraflex with run-to-waste trays. Yeah, a lot of people have very big success with Floraflex. I haven't used the system personally myself, so um, I'd love to get Floraflex on the podcast so we can talk about it. Big system in the US. Um, and he also uses Danish trays once it's all dialed in. It's lovely. So run-to-waste trays, there's a, there's a company in the UK called Medusa, Medusa Hydroponics, and they've made... Uh, trays you can put any size pot on them they've made the trays with a brain and if you do run to waste it will take all of your waste away um brilliant system takes a lot of trouble away from uh grows with a hand feed and run to waste and where do you get rid of the wastewater so uh, medusa absolutely killed it with that sort of invention to first people in the uk that i know of that invented the system to take away that that wastewater and he say, he's just said he's used those Medusa trays and you've upgraded. So let's get into it. Let's actually keep asking you questions. I love the questions. This is going to be a two-part podcast anyway. If you've just joined, it's podcast 195. It's all about systems. If you've got a systems question, please get them in. Uh, I'll try and answer them as quick as I can. For those listening on the actual podcast, um, if you've got questions, follow us on Instagram at NPK uh, Podcast or at NPK Live and send me the questions through the week and I'll get them in. So make sure that you're there. You don't feel left out either. Mule Dunn said, how can I get one of those Pac-Man caps? Do you like that? The NPK Media Cap. Everyone wants one of these caps. I'll tell you what, when uh, I'll take a few, t- if you're at Spanabus in March, I'll take a few there. So if anyone wants a cap, I'll be taking some to Spanabus and I'll give a few out. Or if you're ever in the area, pop in. You're more than welcome to one. Give me a bit of a heads up, though, so I'll make sure I've got them with me. Um, Ronan's run an extreme 20-site aero cloner. Four days in, nothing yet. Four days. Give it another three days. And we've done a po- we've done a podcast on taking cuttings. Um, make sure that everything's absolutely spot on. Uh, 45 degrees. A lot of people, I love to sh- take the scalpel and just shave the, the outer layer. Where you've taken the cutting of 45 degrees, shave the outer layer so that there's more air exposed to the to the clonics, to the hormone, so that more roots can develop. Some people actually put a slice or a cross in the bottom of the um, in the cutting, and that will help roots develop as well, bigger surface area. But in jiffies, rock walls, root riots, most people are getting them to strike in about 10 days. I think... 
in really good conditions with really healthy clones, a good healthy mother, you can probably get them done in about seven days with the extreme propagator. Um, with a drip system in cocoa, do you find running the first feed with runoff or slowly feeding through the day? So what I do, um, Dan, is when you see the first feed, you'd add the cocoa uh, to your pots, and I would drip even before the plants in. I would run through with a very mild A and B pH solution, uh, a mild A and B that's been pH, I should say, and a little bit of calcium magnesium as well to help buffer the cocoa even more. I would water it till runoff, let it dry out a little bit, and then make me hold for the cotton. Add any amendments that you add, put the cotton in, and then you can add the drippers, and then just um, feed through the day. Once the plants are established, I would just do slowly, slowly feeding through the day. Um, but there's much, much better growers than me who use drippers. I'm not a big, I haven't used drippers that often. I just listen to people who who have used drippers for years and see what they say. And the majority of them will be, do slow feeds through the day. And on the drippers, if you're a dripper grower, there is no better dripper than the Octometer. So I've taken loads of people off these green and blue and red drippers that do two liters, six liters, eight liters an hour, and just said to them, get an octometer. You can you can give them one liter a day while they're young. Uh, you can then, as they grow, you can give them two liters a day, four liters a day, and then take it off. I think it maxes out about eight or nine liters a day. You can just take the tap off at the, at the top, and it's just brilliant. You control on how much you're giving them through a little tap. They're not that much more expensive than traditional drippers but they're absolutely fantastic so if you're a dripper grower try go to the shop and ask for octometers octometer on steak and you sh- i think in the uk they're about i think the rp was like two pound 20 each on them but i think you you tend to pick them up for about one pound 50 to one pound 80 depending on what shop you're in so uh, octometers on steak brilliant for drippers so hand watering who's a hand water who is still hand watering there their cocoa and their pots. Vast majority of growers in the UK, I think, are hand feeders. It's simple, easy to make adjustments each time you feed, and it's cheap. If you're a hand feeder, you'll be using soil, cocoa, or a blend of amendments, sort of 60-40. Now, watering plants is called irrigation. So I like to try and use tech, the proper technical words in them. There's no confusion. So watering plants is called irrigation. Watering plants with nutrients is called fertigation. So there's some debate on whether to fertigate, I'll be using that word quite often now because you'll know that that means to water with nutrients. Um, so there's debate on whether you fertigate every time or mix with water. So add nutrients and then just water, add nutrients and then just water. Um, if you get runoff every time you feed, I I would say that you can happily give them feed every time because the problem that some hand feeders have when they top feed is they will water the plants, water the cocoa, and they won't get runoff. So what happens is there tends to be a buildup of salt, especially in the summer, especially in warmer rooms. So as the water evaporates, it leaves the salty deposits on the bottom. That's the white that you see at the bottom. Now, if you get that, each time you water, so for those that EC, you'll be adding, you'll be fertigating with 1.2, and it plants to love it then as the weeks go on you're up to one five one eight two point two and what's happening is as the water as the plant's taking up the water it's need it's leaving the salt deposits at the bottom 
before you know it, I've done this as well. So I'm a victim of, of this myself. You don't water till runoff. And at the end of it, I use the e, the, new, the Blue Lab uh, EC probe. And you stick it in, it tells you what your EC is in the cocoa media. And it came up like four EC. And it just blew my mind to bits because you weren't pushing those excess salts out. So make sure it is, it's, it's ideal to run till, to water until you get runoff. So if you do water till runoff, you can feed every time. If you don't tend to water till runoff, and I do understand why people don't water till runoff because the struggle between saturating the media and potentially overwatering your plants, in inverted commas, and giving the plants the right amount of EC. So if you don't water till runoff, I would give two to three feeds with feed. I would fertigate three times. And then I would add water for the fourth feed. So three feeds fertigation, one feeds just irrigate with water and make sure you flush. If it doesn't, even if it doesn't flush out, at least you're diluting those salts that are building up at the bottom. Um, if you don't get any runoff on your feed, then it's just mixed the fertigation with irrigation. Every other feed, if it's getting too bad. So let's go back to some comments, try and keep up to date with the comments. Everyone that's just joined podcast 195, talking about systems, get your questions in. UK420 said, best probe for moisture readings in hand watering. By far, it is the Blue Lab. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. Hopefully someone will help me out. It's the new Blue Lab probe. You released it about a year ago. Uh, it's a handheld meter. It's got two long probes, metal probes with points on the end. Looks like something to skewer meat with. Um, it'll tell you the water retention of your of your media so it'll tell you how saturated your, your media is with water and also tell you the ec by radio waves um it's not the guardian that's another blue lab meter that measures ec ph and water temperature by the two probes this one you actually stick into your media and uses radio waves um but that is the best media if you look on the blue lab website you'll be able to find it on there east coast of Dan, welcome to the podcast runoff is good it is so for those that do hand feed and they hand feed through the top, it's best to get about 20% runoff. And then you can feed every time because you're pushing those old salts, you're pushing them out. I think it's a good time to say there's no such thing as overwatering. So just let that sink in for a sec. There's no such thing as overwatering. Anybody who grows DWC is uh, will know that it's impossible to overwater your plants. What you get is a lack of oxygen in the root zone. So if you add that much water that it saturates and compresses your cocoa or your soil, it basically squeezes or pushes all of the oxygen pockets out of the root zone and the roots basically starve to death. They they strangle them. They can't, they can't get the oxygen that they need. But with good oxygen, with an air stone or with proper, pro, can't speak, proper irrigation cycles, then you're going to make sure that the water retention to air capacity is absolutely spot on. Things like perlite, uh, cocos, it mills as cocoa with cork helps with it, or cocoa with pebbles really helps because it maintains that structure so you can the roots can still get the oxygen that they need. And Ronan said it's the pulse meter. So UK420, it's the Blue Lab pulse meter, absolutely spot on. Brilliant piece of kit. Um, for hand feeders and for people in cocoa that, don't measure the runoff. Absolutely brilliant piece of kit. Dan Johnson said, how do you keep, how do you go into checking runoff in cocoa? So the pulse meter, 
just buy one of those because the other method I'll tell you is just long-winded and it's hard and it's a pain in the backside as well. So buy a pulse meter. It'll tell you how much your media is saturated with water and it'll also tell you the EC. It's brilliant. If you haven't got one of those meters, I think they're about £180. If you haven't got one of those meters or you don't want to buy one, then you will. There's a while since it. I actually did a, if you follow us on YouTube, so everyone that's on YouTube, Dan, if you go to season two of the MPK show, I think it's episode four, we talk about cocoa and we talk about how to measure the EC in cocoa. Uh, essentially what you do is once your cocoa has been watered, you'll take a sample. Uh, you'll run, oh, it's a while since I've done this, you'll run RO water through the cocoa, strain it off and then take the EC reading from that cocoa and you take it from a few parts of the plant so you can read DC. It's long-winded. It's a pain in the backside. You can see me do it on the YouTube show and it'll probably put you off from wanting to do it. Just go and save up. Ask Father Christmas for a pulse meter because it'll change your life, I promise you. But do go and watch episode, I think it's four or five of the MPK show season two. Get, get the views up a little bit and I'll show you exactly how to do it if you're really interested. So. Have a little look, more comments. Best way to learn and watch that you don't overwater. I think they've been commenting on something I've said there. Flask Ponics said, flood and drain for edible greens, germinating seeds in a wicking bed, using neoprene ring to hold the plants, no media. Most people use a medium that retains water between floods. Will this work? So, flood and drain. Uh, we'll be coming on to it, but I love answering the questions as they come in. Um, you will get the best results if you just use pebbles. The reason being is because you can flood and drain as, as often as you like. Uh, the pebbles hold a tiny amount of water and nutrients, so the plants can get by. But you flood and drain, you're replacing the nutrients, you're refreshing the ECs and the pH every time you flood and drain. And each time you flood and drain in pebbles, you or in any media, you're pushing out the old air and you're bringing in fresh oxygen. So just pebbles is the best. But if you get it wrong and you pump, fails if you don't feed and it's just in pebbles then there's no access to water no access to nutrients and your plant's going to suffer so unless you're there every day uh, i would recommend going to a media like 60 40 and then you will get a proper pot that will be made for thin media like your cocoa particles and it will allow drainage always add a layer of pebbles at the bottom of your pot to allow proper drainage and 60 40 is the most common new substrate for flood and drain because it's got the pebbles for the oxygenation but it's got the coke as well so it's got the water's got something to attach to the nutrients have got something to attach to and the plant can still feed even though you're not flooding and draining you just flood and drain a lot less often if you are in the us because they're not available yet in the uk east coast dam does clean roots platforms uh, just brilliant because a lot of problems that people have, if you top feed or if you bottom feed, you have your pot, you'll have your tray and you'll feed and then you'll tend to fuck off. And what happens when you fuck off? The water stays in the bottom of the tray. The plants starve of oxygen and they really suffer. With those clean roots platforms, you raise the pot up so it's also not hitting the cold floor, bonus. And also the plants can drain fully so you water with the amount of water you know that the plants want and the water's allowed to drain off so you just win brilliant 
also without fully saturating your medium, you have dry pockets with rich roots will not flourish. Exactly. Brilliant, brilliant point by East Coast. Uh, with cocoa, even saturation of the media is really important because if you have that dry, those dry areas and super essential soil, you should never, ever let your soil dry out completely. But in cocoa, uh, if you have dry areas, it's just what happens to the root is it's the fine micro hairs on the roots that really take up water, really take up nutrients and oxygen. Those roots suffer with high salts. So if you overfeed, they can really suffer because they don't need to search for nutrients. Everything's available to them. And if it's dry, they will just become brittle and snap off. So it's really important to keep your cocoa or any media evenly saturated, not overwatered, not overwatered. You should very, very rarely let your cocoa or your soil completely dry out. Um, the only reason that I, I tell our customers to let it completely dry out is if they have problems like fungus gnats. They thrive in overwatered media. So if you've got them, the easiest way to kill them is just to let it go dry. And we actually recommend a product called Tanlin, which eradicates fungus gnats. So if you get them, it's a great product to use. What other comments have we got? UK420 said, any that don't need Wi-Fi. If you're talking about the pulse meter, it doesn't use Wi-Fi. It uses radio frequencies. Um, and it uses Bluetooth to your phone so that if you add 20 pots, you stick it in at the same point in every pot, you should say. Uh, press the button. Once it turns, I think it's green. I haven't used one for a while. Turns green, you know that the phone's picked it up and it's been red. Uh, you can go around all your pots and then go to your phone and check each pot that you've done in order. So use Bluetooth and uses radio frequency to check the EC. Doesn't use Wi-Fi. That I know of. <laughs> DB said DWC for the win. Man after my own heart. DWC is the best. Uh, Jack Uzi said, when is the best time to lollipop? Um, you can see that just on me, on me mouth there, the lollipop. The best time to lollipop is three weeks after flower. And maybe a little bit, maybe 10 days before you turn into flower, just give them a little bit of a, a haircut to it. If they're really bushy plants, maybe 10 days before you flower them. And the proper lollipop that you're talking about is three weeks after flower for me. Um, you know where everything is. You know what's established. You know what's in dark. You can make a good judgment on what's going to make it, what's going to get proper light, and what's going to become a proper fruit or veg, whatever it is. And three weeks after flower. Ronnie Mac, only Blue Lab. You know, Bell. You know. A few comments coming in today. I'm loving this especially on Instagram and, and the YouTube doing well as well. Looking for hope soulmate to make sure you rinse pebbles. Brilliant top tip. If you're using pebbles, no matter what they are, make sure you rinse them out because most people are using pebbles being a system. If you're in a system, you've got pipe works. If you've got pipe works, they can get clogged up. Pebbles, they clay, clay pebbles. They don't come washed, so they'll have all that residual clay dust. Make sure you wash it off. Uh, because if that clay dust, if you don't wash it off, the first flood and drain or the first time you rinse it through with DWC, whatever system it is, that part will just clog up your system. So make sure you rinse them off. Brilliant top tip. Fire in the Booth Farm said, I had the IWS Pro and was wicked until the pump failed on me. That's the problem. That's the problem that we have. There's not really a solution to it. IWS Pro is a good system. You do use good pumps. Uh, I think 
they use newer newer pumps or maxi jets both really good pumps and if you use them for long enough you will you will have a pump that fails it's the reason why you would want to use something like 60 40 because if the pump fails it gives you enough time the cocoa will hold on to enough nutrients enough water to keep the plants alive for at least a couple of days um, and allows you to get in there if you're on a system and you're only going to see your plants once or twice a week then that's when the problems occur. If you use a system because, and some people are lazy, and that's fine. Uh, some people just don't want to visit the plants that often, then you run the risk. Not saying that was you finding the boots, but um, some people do run the risk of the pumps failing if they can't check on them. That's why autopots work brilliantly because they very rarely clog up if they use them properly. You never run the risk of a pump failing. So what's... Some good comments coming in today. I'm loving, I'm loving this. This is brilliant. Um, Mule Don said, what is the pick the pot up and see how heavy it is technique called? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'd, uh, I'll let you name it because um, I can't, what should we, th- so what Mule Don's on about is when you're a hand feeder, um, one of the good ways to measure if you need to uh, fertigate or irrigate your plants is to pick it up. If it's heavy, it's full of water and you don't need to irrigate again. If it's light and, and then it's dry and they could do with a good feed. So I would call that the uh, the light heavy fertigation technique, but we need to come up with something a lot more catchy. I'll have a little go, but that's that technique. Nice one for bringing that one up. Uh, Holland944, nice one for joining us, bro. Best LED between the Cropmaster 1000 or 3 Sunlight, mate. Hope you're all well. I hope you're doing good, bud. That's a tough one. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't used the Crop Masters yet. I used Bud Light, the Bud, uh, Bud Master. They were phenomenal. Paul, who makes the he's a, the, the UK-made lights, really, really good LEDs. And Paul's phenomenal. He's just a brilliant engineer and knows his, knows his lights like the back of his hand. Um, the Crop Master 1000 or 3 Sound Lights. You all know how I feel about sunlights. Um, for this though, sunlights would probably inch it for me because you've got essentially you've got three suns. The more areas of light you can cover, the better. You're gonna get deeper penetration, always a good thing. And you're gonna get if you with the sunlights, they they recommend you would have one in the middle and you would have the other two turned in slightly. So you're getting that side penetration, another always a good thing. And yeah, three sunlights would do it for me over over one crop master. But crop masters are absolutely phenomenal LEDs. Um, take me out off to them. If you're using them, stick with them. On the point of LEDs, actually, you've just reminded me. Spectrum King. If uh if you follow us on Instagram at NPK underscore hydroponics, you'll have seen my latest post on Spectrum King. Not specifically Spectrum King, but their supplier and distributor, or their distributor, HSS, based in Europe. Very, very rare that I take to Instagram these days to have a rant because there's obviously we've got a decent following for a UK shop and very rarely done on podcasts because of the amount of listeners that we've got. I think I've got to be very careful now with when I get on my high horse a little bit and, and have a bit of a rant. But 
Um, it's not so much that Spectrum King, they have allowed HSS to distribute in Europe and they've given them the power to make the decisions. Um, check out the latest post. If anyone's using Spectrum Kings, if anything goes wrong with them, good luck to you. Um, and good luck to the shop that's got to deal with them as well because I was not happy with HSS at all. Um, sent them numerous emails and didn't get the response that I wanted. I've asked, I've been in constant communication. This isn't just me jumping on podcast and on Instagram to air me frustration. It's been going on for a good few months. And when when customers spend £3,000 or in excess of, even if it was £200, but when customers spend a lot of money, you've got to give them a certain level of customer service. And they just absolutely failed on the customer service side. He bought an SK600 um I asked for them to be upgraded to the SK602, which is the new Spectrum King LED. And they essentially just said, we can't, and here's your replacement. And it turned up battered and broken. Um, the light fixed, the light worked, but it was it was battered and broken. So wasn't happy with Spectrum King at all. Um, and if you use Spectrum Kings, if you're about to buy an LED and your Spectrum King's on your mind, uh, I would, personally, I would pass over it. Aiden. The, uh, oh, you're in lock. The uh, the YouTube went down for a few seconds. It's all good. It's back up now. <laughs> <laughs> so, where are we up to on the comments? So, YouTube, I think, went down for about five seconds. You didn't miss much. You just missed me finishing off my rant about Spectrum King. If you're looking to buy one, don't. Fire booth said, yeah, I was in Pebbles, so you can imagine what happened. Yeah, you don't get much time with Pebbles. You get the best results if nothing goes wrong, but obviously it doesn't give you that safety net, doesn't give you that insurance policy. Uh, fine, he's also said, Fire the Booth Farm said, what's your views on mid-flush in flower? Anytime you can give your plants a good flush is a bonus, in, in my opinion, um, because we always tend to overfeed we always tend to overdo it on EC. Plants will struggle and will show you that they've been overfed real, really quickly. Um, but you can tend to get away with underfeeding more than overfeeding. So people tend to, and it's natural, we've all done it, every single one of us. We've all given a little bit too much on the EC. We've all added a bit too much A, B, and PK, and you get salt buildup. So anytime you can do a flush, even if you did one once a month, just flush it right through with water and um, you'll get much better results. So yeah, big thumbs up from me. Samsung quantum boards, they're doing some good stuff. People are really rating them. They are. I've just started following them. Um, I'm going to keep my eye on them. We did an LED podcast uh, a few weeks ago and they came up. So I'll be following them. In 2020, we'll get, we'll, we're going to get some absolutely brilliant guests on. Um, I'm going to keep them a secret for, for the next few weeks because we're still finalizing details. But if you follow the podcast, if you listen each week, you're in for some real treats. We're going to get some top guests on. And if you've got any suggestions for guests, send them over, put them in touch with us if you know them, or just send me their Instagram or their emails and we'll get in touch with them and get them on the podcast. Uh, what else have we got? Yeah, HSS sucks from what you posted. They do. Invisible Sun for LEDs. Invisible Sun is actually, I've found out, a 
Liverpool based company, Merseyside based company. Um, one of my friends went to see them, and we think we've reached out and we're going to organise for them to come to shop and say hello, find out about the technology, and see what they've got going on. Doctor Green Tips, welcome to us. SLF one hundred is good for salt buildup. Yeah, there's lots of products out there good for salt buildup. If you run the system, especially with thin pipes, make sure that you've got a good. Uh, I don't know what you'd call a whole class nutrient cleansers uh, to to get rid of that salt buildup. Uh, growing the loud to tell us all the way through another tell us another good LED. Um, tell us UK based company up and coming. Um, I think you'll see big things from them over the next few years. Uh, LED have come a long way so far. The only gripe I have is in winter where would you need to supplement with heating? So yet the it's the problem. A lot of people, a lot of growers around the world, they grow in climates where it's warm all year round. We don't have that luxury in the UK. Uh, I personally love the winter. I love the cold weather. I love the dark nights. Um, but people that are buying LEDs in December, it's bit, a little bit mad for me. I'm happy to have my opinion changed. Um, but when you buy a set of LEDs and it's freezing outside and you bring it in, uh, that's two degrees You've got to buy three or four 2,000 watt heaters. So there's 6,000 watts straight away. And you're going to have half them on when the lights are on. You've got to have all of them on when the lights are off. So um, your LEDs in the UK winter is, I think people tend to struggle because people buy LEDs because the, do, the, the efficient ones do save you on electricity. But you, you get rid of that saving by investing in 1,000 watt heaters. So um, think... A little bit when you can buy an LEDs in the winter. So some more questions on YouTube. I put the blue lab in the runoff, and sometimes it's high and it spins me off. You know what? You know when I first used the blue lab pulse meter, my head fell off. And then I actually did a YouTube video. I haven't released it yet because we're going to do a, a basically we're doing a series of podcast videos, fast five, and which is a five minute product video and a, a one minute video which is sort of an unveiling what it is how much it is we've done one on the pulse meter and when i was using it the ec was so high like my head fell off as well and it's because we're not watering until runoff and we're not flushing them out properly so i had an ec of four on one point i was lucky because tomatoes can handle a high ec so i didn't get too much of a problem but uh, if you're growing plants that you only want to imagine you you were growing plants and you take the EC to two two point two like with most fruit and uh, crops then you're gonna have problems so it it raised my awareness a little bit and made sure that I was absolutely flushing uh, either once a month or when I was irrigating fertigation I was doing it until I had about twenty percent runoff um so yeah knocked me as well a little bit but you get your head around it you start to learn to become a better grower and it's it's bonuses all right all around ronan said would an aqua farm dripper system work better with air stone in the res so brilliant question don't ever put air stones in your reservoir the worst case scenario if you're in a, if you're a closed room grower and you're supplementing with co2 then your air uh, your air pump will bring in that co2 as this CO2 dissolves with water, it forms carbonic acid, and that's going to drop your pH massively. You'll probably be unaware of it because you check your pH after you do your nutrient uh, mix-up, and then after three or four days, you'll check it again, and it's going to be on three, 
plants are already had a problem. Do not put uh, air stones in your reservoir. If you're going to put them anywhere, put them. If you're in a flood and drain system, you can get air. Uh, you can get air stones that will go in the bottom. More than happy to do that. You can also put air, bo- air balls or golf balls in the brain because that water is constantly being irrigated around the system. So uh, that will work as well. But it does tend to it tends to knock your pH. I never ever recommend putting an air stone in the res. And then he said, can you use fabric pots in ebb and flow table? Ebb and flow is also flood and drain, same system, just a different name. Uh, no, not that I've heard of because what you, you don't want, pebbles is brilliant in flood and drain. You get the best results, highest amount of oxygen um, and you can replace your water as many times as you want without overwatering, if we can use that word. Fabric pots, if you flooded them, you retain so much water, you probably get mold. Uh, the, the roots wouldn't be able to breathe properly. So I wouldn't recommend using fabric pots in a flood and drain or an ebb and flow. But in auto pots, they've released a new XL systems with the Smart Pot 25 litre fabric pots, and they're doing brilliantly. So if you're in an auto pot, XL 25 litre, doesn't cost you any more. And, um, you're getting the, the benefits of the air, of the cloth pot, which is extra oxygenation around the root zone. I leave drivers inside the tent and I've swapped intake to high up and extract from low down. Cooler, but just about managed. That's from Doobie. And that's that's real top tips for you LED growers out there that are struggling. Bring the drivers into the tent if they're not attached to the actual system themselves and put your fan at the top pointing down so with the difference with leds is that the heat escapes through the top and it gets extracted straight away through your fan and filter so if you've got a fan that can push down at the leds and push that heat down onto your plants then you're going to get much better results and that's that's the way to do led growing so find a booth that said at the moment i'm using 315s and hps but in summer i'm going to trial leds what would you say would be the best combo out of the three 315s, LEDs, and HPS as a combo pair. So this is where, let me have a little sip of my coffee. Keeps me going coffee, you know. Ah, I can't cope without it. So the as a combo, there's LEDs. There's such a new technology in plant growing that I'm not 100% convinced that you can mix a spectrum and get brilliant results. I know for a fact, if you mix HPS and ceramic metal halide, you're going to get phenomenal results. It's called checkerboarding. So you mix metal halide, which is the old uh, technique. Metal halide and HPS, absolutely brilliant results. Um, HPS and ceramic metal halide. Ceramic metal halides are even better than metal halide. You'll get even better results again uh, than just HPS or just CMH. But as for mixing LED and CMH, I don't know. LED and HPS, I'm not sure. When I went to Sunlight, uh, Martin said to just use LEDs. And that wasn't him saying, trying to sell more LEDs and knowing that if you had a five light room, you would get you to buy five LEDs. He genuinely believes that the spectrums don't mix properly. So an LED is a full, good LEDs, I should say, have the complete spectrum. And if you're supplementing with the HPS, which tends to do have a lot less green in it, but a lot of red um, and a little bit of blue. You can maybe overdo it with the spectrums. And what we're finding out about 
spectrum of light is very similar to nutrients. It's very similar to feed. So if you overdo it with nitrogen, then you're going to block out other nutrients. If you overdo it with calcium, you're going to be you're going to block out that pathway for uh, for other nutrients to be uptaken. If you give a plant too much of a specific spectrum, then the current thinking is that the plant will struggle to be able to metabolize, if that's the correct word, metabolize the other spectrums and can sort of throw it out of sync a little bit. So there's a lot more research to be done. Um, it, like I said before, we're going to get some really good high-profile guests on that are absolute specialists in their field. Um, when it gets close to some and people are really interested in getting LEDs again, then we'll get back onto that subject. But for me, it's HPS and surround metal halide. I wouldn't take the risk with LED. What else are we getting? Some good. No, I love the interaction as well on the Instagram. Other people commenting, um, the spread of information. I love it. So there's Doobie said there's also the new HPS bulbs that are the same as three one fives, but six hundred. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the post we did. It's a six hundred watt E forty fitting. Got to be used with a magnetic ballast, but it is a ceramic metal halide bulb that runs at six hundred watts. Runs off a magnetic ballast. Um. I haven't used one yet. Only brand new from Maxi Bright, but they're going to be brilliant. Maxi Bright don't release ship products, so keep your eye out for them. If you want to have a little dabble, get your grow shop and and ask for those six hundred watt ceramic metal halide bulbs by Maxi Grow. So good comments. Where are we on YouTube? Where are we up to with the comments? Flask Ponics. I bought some LM301H from Alibaba Seller King Bright. Any opinion on Chinese quantum boards? Mm, the LM301H, I've heard of that. Uh, Alibaba. So my opinion is I am biased because uh, we have a shop and I think you should support the grow shops because they were here. They helped educate the majority of people doing it today. and People go into the shops and ask for advice all the time. I would buy from a shop. I wouldn't be buying off, off Alibaba. However, if a shop for some reason is too expensive and, and you had to buy from Alibaba, you just wanted a little bit of a, a trial before you went full bore and bought the rest of them from the shop. Um, There's enough good quality products out there to be messed about with Chinese quantum boards. I don't want to get into the whole discussion of Everything from China is shit because everything is from China. Um, they do really good quality products when they're managed and when the when the warehouses are managed and you know the production lines, they do phenomenal products. Um, but I would stay away from them myself. I would stay away because you just the warranties. If it breaks, you're gonna return it to Alibaba. It's a nightmare. Um, go to a shop, see what they say. Go to your local shop and see see what they've got to say. Green Meanie said, I've got a quantum board from Alibaba and it works fine. Some people are getting great results. Um, they work, they will work brilliant in veg because pretty much every LED works great in veg. It's just has it got that power at the end? Will it last? These LEDs are supposed to last for 10 years. So we can't even have an opinion yet because we don't know. But sending stuff back to Alibaba is a nightmare. Indica Headshop said, do you think light height can affect crystal production if too close? Absolutely, 100%. Depending on the type of light that you use, if it's HPS, if it's ceramic metal halide, they give off a lot of heat. If you're growing a plant that's terpene heavy and produces a lot of oil content, then those terpenes are volatile. It means that 
at a temperature of 20, 25, 30 degrees Celsius, um, they will start to, I think the correct way, it's off gas and you're losing those terpenes, you're losing those flavors um, and you basically, you're burning them off. That's why LED tends to do better quality because you retain the majority of the terpenes that the plant naturally wants to produce and you're getting a better overall product. So that's why LED growers tend to get really good quality product if they can grow properly. Ceramic metal halide, broader spectrum, um, you get the better quality because the light's got the broader spectrum. It's slightly less heat, so you retain more of the terpenes. HPS, it's all about the power. It's all about that deep penetration that <laughs> all growers seem to love, uh, but you do lose a lot of the terpenes. Uh, Green Mini said the LED bought is a Meanwell driver, LM301B, Osram diode, super bright. I'm going to set it up tonight. Let me know how you get on. Very interested. Because obviously, I am biased. We have a shop. I'm supportive of every UK grow shop that's in it to, because the genuine growers, not just in it for money, but every shop that's um, that are run by proper growers, I support them. I support the shops industry because we, we were here. We built it. And I think growers should support the shops because we will do a podcast on this one day. If everybody bought their products from eBay, Amazon, and Alibaba, and all the shops really went tomorrow, um, the podcast, like the pod, the, would we do the podcast anymore? So let's imagine that the podcast is gone and everyone that gets a little bit of help from the podcast, that would go. The YouTube channels would stop because a lot of them are supported by products from the grow shops. Um, so in my, I would support the shops because a lot of people would be in deep shit if they all went tomorrow. And a lot of the smaller shops, the small shops tend to be run by the best growers with the best advice as well. Um, they're going to be the first ones to go. So I hope people haven't got regrets because they saved a few hundred pounds by going to Amazon, Alibaba, eBay, uh, fucking with that 0% returns and all that shit. And the shops, the really good shops, they might end up closing. But we'll do a podcast on that another time. Uh, Ronan said, I'm running 315 CMH. Would I get better results if I switch to 600 watt HPS? Depends on your definition of better results. If it's yield, yeah, 100%. 600 watts will give you better yield. If it's quality, 315 will give you much better quality. So it's 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 your definition of better results. Quality, CMH, yield, 600 watt HPS. Or take three two 315s, get the yield and get the quality. You're winning. Um, what else have we got? No, 0% warranty on Chinese lights. Exactly. Peter Heron said, what does quantum board even mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those words, isn't it? Uh, quantum physics. I ended up looking up, going down the rabbit hole of quantum physics and just not having a clue. Uh, but Green Meanies come back and said, just LEDs on a flat PCB. Wish I had a part meter, but a lux meter will have to do. I buy what I can from the local shops, but I can't afford a thousand dollars light. Exactly. So there's there's every story and every argument has an opposite and equal uh, reaction or argument. Um, if you want to trial LEDs and 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 become a better grower because you you're trying these things and you're experimenting, then I've got no problem as long as like you do you you spend what you can in the shops but for things that are going to cost a fifteen hundred pounds if you can start to experiment and have a little bit of a, a dabble with LEDs with through the cheaper Alibaba have a go as soon as you get used to it as soon as you get um 
proficient with those LEDs, have a little play. Maybe make it a Christmas present. Get one of the the sunlights or the fluence or the new Gavita LED. Um, I just, th- if you think about it, how can the cheap Chinese products, especially with LED technology where it's moving so fast, compete with companies that put hundreds of thousands into research and development um, to produce the best quality lights? It could be, they could be on par now, but eventually these companies will produce the better qualities, the better quality lights. Good. So everyone's just been cracking on. You know what? For a systems podcast, this has been going for, uh, I don't even know how long it's been going, for a while. And it's um, we've been talking mostly about lights, but I love it. This is, I love the interaction of the comments, so please keep them coming. Uh, what else? So Tricone Pappy said, why the magnetic ballast for the, he's on about the 600 watts ceramic metal halide bulb you can get. Reason being is because magnetic ballast run on low frequency, digital ballast run on high frequency. Uh, ceramic metal high bulbs need that low frequency to operate, uh, so that's why you need the magnetic ballast. Limonene, welcome to the podcast. I've got some HLG 550 V2S, and they are triple thumbs up. I think I'm sure these LED companies are, uh, are just adding more and more letters and numbers to their LEDs. Next week, we'll have the BLV 2079 V3. 4B triple zero X, and it's the best LED. Just fucking hell. Call it something and call it version two or version three. Read these out as a nightmare. Uh, Doobie said, don't buy the cheap blue mat carrots from Alibaba as they are. <laughs> £30 LEDs, don't buy £500 upwards, then you're talking. Yeah. So I think if you want to experiment and you want to keep costs down, have a little go with the Alibaba because it is hard to get cheap LEDs from the shops. And then as soon as you're convinced, then maybe uh, spend your money with, with the shops on what they recommend with LEDs. Um, Tweedledee, all in it, said it's all in it, £200. So why not go to your local shop instead of the internet? First time watching your show, it's Boss. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to know where you're from, actually, because Boss is a Liverpool word. Uh, obviously, don't go around to the other cities that much, but I've never heard someone outside of Liverpool say boss. So I'm interested to know where you're from, bud. Uh, Peter said, 600 watt CMH have an E40 fit and work on any 600 watt magnetic ballast. And lensing is important on LEDs. Lensing is one of the most important things on LEDs. The LED manufacturers are starting to probably spend too, uh, spend What's the fucking word? This trying to the putting their research into two areas: spectrum development and lens development. Wow, I had an absolute brain fart then. I need more coffee. I think uh, lensing is important for the spread of the light and to reflect less and put more light on plant. And spectrum is obviously important because you want to get as close to the sun spectrum to get the best quality plant. Ronan said, "Buy sunlight so you don't buy twice." Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 420 said, hi Tweedledee, hope you enjoy the live cast almost every Wednesday. It is, it's almost every Wednesday. I'm actually, just to let you know, we will be live every Wednesday from around four o'clock. And over Christmas, I will pre-record some live shows. So Instagram, you can't get pre-recorded stuff, but everyone that's watching on Instagram, 
go over to the YouTube channel, just type in MPK Technology or the MPK Show or anything. Uh, you'll find our channel, subscribe, put notifications on, and you'll let know every time we go live. Hydro Legend said, take your hat off. Uh, I will not take my hat off. There was one picture taken today. We had a meeting with uh, Psycho and their reps uh, talking about pharmaceutical-grade nutrients. Are they actually pharmaceutical-grade? Uh, that is another podcast in January with the owners of Psycho. That's going to be a good one uh, to talk about pharmaceutical-grade nutrients. And uh, Tweedledee, <laughs> I won't read that out on podcast because there's 70,000 people uh, listen. But, yeah, you're from Liverpool, bro. Nice one. And you, it's only Liverpool people who say boss. Uh, what else have we got? Grown Mao on YouTube was my guide to making my own LED to start with. What do you think of him? I think Grown Mouse is an app. Not Grown Mouse. Grown Mao is an absolute legend. I don't watch that many of his videos because I don't, I'm not interested in making my own LEDs, but understanding the technology behind LEDs. And if you are interested in making your own LEDs, just go and check him out on YouTube. Grow Mao, phenomenal, brilliant, brilliant. And he's he's taking his, uh, he's making his own LEDs, brilliant channel. Sunlight is definitely the best. I've seen results, expensive, but pays for itself. Yeah. Other people, in my opinion, have now got to step up to sunlight and they're just constantly innovating. So absolutely top notch. Right. Um, this is maybe going to be turned out to be a three-part system because we haven't even delved into systems. Um, I will stop when the hour comes up on, on Instagram. <laughs> 420 said, reference the hat. Do you not have hair? Is that why you grow the beard instead? Listen, you're not going to comment and get me to take my hat off. There was a picture taken today and they caught me without my hat. I forgot but nobody ever gets to see what is below the hat. I'm not even going to tell you what picture it was on. If you find it, well done. But we're not taking the hat off, no. What I will do for Christmas, I will set up a charity funding for uh, homeless people. And if we get to £100,000, I'll take the hat off. No, you're not bullying me to taking my hat off. Evil comment, no, it's not happening. Right, systems. Do you want? Um, let's finish off. <laughs> These comments are killing me off. I shall now comb Instagram. Good luck. You'll be waiting a while. Um, so, hand feeding. The debate of runoff. You want 10 to 15% runoff. This makes sure you don't have a build of assaults. It allows you to check EC and pH. And Hydro Legends laughing faces because he started all this shit with taking the hat off. Piss off. Haven't you got work to do and cocoa to box or a new shop to open? Leggy. I love you really, bro. The um, To be honest with you, this systems podcast has half gone down the shitter because you've all been asking me questions, which is fantastic. If I could do a podcast every week that just answered questions, I would do it. I love it. So I think we're probably coming up to the hour soon. I will... I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I have. I love answering all your questions. Um, so get them in with before the end of the podcast and we'll answer them. But I will revisit systems next week. I hope that's okay for everyone. 420 said, which system do you think is best for hot climates? If you have got a good amount of money to spend, 
then and a small amount of plants that take DWC. You can add a water chiller, uh, plenty of oxygen at the root zone, and that way you're going to be able to combat the hot climates, which is going to mean the plants are going to transpire loads, they lose lots of water, but you're giving them so much water that they're not going to run out of water. Highly oxygenated, keep it chilled to 18 degrees Celsius. Other than that, I'd probably say a flood and drain because you can still keep the reservoir at 18 degrees with a water chiller and then just constant flood and drains. There's no water sitting in pipes to heat up. So uh, I'd probably say for big, a lot of plants, flood and drain, small amount of plants, probably uh, DWC and potentially drippers. But like I said, I'm not a massive, I've never used drippers uh, continuously. So I'm not, oh, for drippers, I've had to do a lot of research for the systems podcast to give you the best advice. And I've also spoke to a lot of dripper growers, um, but I couldn't say the the drippers because there's a small amount of water getting into the pot. It'll heat up quickly in a hot environment. I think um, drippers may have a bit of a problem, but um, it's all good. The Booker Company, great shout. You know what? I'm sorry I didn't mention the Booker Company earlier. The Booker Company are phenomenal. Um, we did a podcast with them about... This is where I call them because I think I've got the keys as well to shut the shop. <laughs> so we're going to leave it there. Um, Booker Company, phenomenal. I'm leaning towards Flundering for 420. Uh, Hydro Legends is not a legend in my opinion. Um, high IQ or high testosterone causes loss of hair. This is all fake. I, Barry and all the lads in the shop do me notes for me. I just read out because I, I love the sound of my own voice. Um, oh, there's, there's hair under there, you know. Oh, there's hair under there. Uh, Bonemouth said, all that money, you can't even sort out your Wi-Fi. What is it with everyone giving me shit today? Listen, we'll sort out the Wi-Fi. We've had a few problems there because uh, I think Josh is near managing the internet signal. We can't put it all on the IT lads. Um, he's coming in the door now. <laughs> uh, he's just giving me a thumbs up. Um, and someone said, what is the smell in that psycho? It's probably all the really good ingredients that they use. And that's it. Thanks for the show. Everyone that's joined, uh, you've been getting, there's more and more people watching live every week. Love the questions. We will definitely do a systems podcast next week. Um, I've just in, really enjoyed this one. Thank you for all the questions. Love talking to you all every week. Um, if you've got anything, any questions in between the shows, send them to the shop at mpk underscore hydroponics uh, or, send, or if, if you want me to answer them on the podcast at mpk live. Everyone listens to the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, as always. Everyone on Instagram, we've done a podcast under an hour because you just haven't gone off once. This is brilliant. Um, Mule Dunn's off to watch Mr. Robot on Amazon Prime. Great to catch you live, catch you again. Great stuff. And everyone watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Thank you for all your questions. Genuinely, uh, I appreciate the fact that it's Wednesday. We start at four o'clock and you're, you're with us for a good hour, hour and a half. Um, and I love you all. Take it easy, and I'll see you next week for an actual systems podcast, DWC, hand water and flood and drain. If you've got questions, make sure you join us next week for 196, the actual systems podcast. And uh, have a great rest of your evening. See you soon. Bye-bye.